Melbourne AA Steps Weekend 2007. This is the guest speaker, Myers. You guys crack me up. Sweet Pea, come back with me to Texas. I sponsor about 30 guys that, that do anything to have you stalking them. Honest. Honest. God, that I were a younger man, I'd be in the list too. I tell you. Um, my name is Myers Raymer and I am an alcoholic. And it is an absolute honor to be here to see you guys and... Um, you know, let the taping record show. Nothing ever changes. I, I always have this feeling. I've been sober almost 20 years, and I, and I always have this feeling when I stand up in front of a group of drunks that they're going to look like drunks, and I'm always caught off guard for the guys that are not here that may hear this on tape. There's, there's 200 women in here that are absolute goddesses where they sit. The, the, the guys still look like drunks and dope fiends, but... <laughs> It never changes. The girls clean up so fast and so well, and it just blows me away. I can't believe that any of you ever took a drink. It just, God. I'm going to thank Bryce and Allie for coming and scooping me up at the airport, and they've been just just kind and generous hosts to a fault. I've been treated like a king, and it's just, uh, it's just the best. I don't know how Bryce ever got that girl, but if he screws it up, I'm telling you, somebody needs to spank that boy. He's a sweetheart. For um, so the committee that said, "Yeah, come on, we're we're okay with it." Thank you, I appreciate it. It's a, it was. I had some stuff scheduled on these dates, and when Bryce called me, I said, "I'll fix it. Don't worry about it. We'll move some stuff." The chance to come to Australia was just, man, I would have wanted to be here. And it's just, I love Australia, and the people are. I still don't understand you. I thought it was going to be different. I've been to a lot of foreign countries, and it's always a language deal. And I'm thinking, well, at least in Australia, they all speak English. And they were sitting at dinner last night, and I'm going. Shit, I don't understand anything these people are saying. It just... I don't know. i got to clarify. i got to get one thing straight before we get into this deal. I think, I think Bryce is pulling my leg about something. Is there something really called Aussie football or Aussie rules? Let me ask you a question. How did I get to be 53 years old and not know anything about this? We're up, we're driving today, and he's explaining this stuff to me, and I think he's making all this stuff up. And he's going, no, right there in that stadium, that's where we do it. I said, yeah, that's where you play soccer, or that's where you play, and he's telling me about this stuff. And then last, this night, tonight at dinner, somebody else mentioned it, and I went, he's just bullshitting about this. He's doing, we don't, y'all don't really play that stuff, do you? And they go, yeah, we really do. And, I, and all I want to know is, is that how come the Texans never caught on? The Texans would love this game. I don't know why we don't play it. It just seems like so out there as a game. It's just the kind of stuff we'd get into. It'd be so good. I can't, can't believe how many big book studies I've already come across here since I've been here. It blows me away. Uh, most of the places that I go, there are lots of AA meetings everywhere you go, but there's no big book studies. There's nobody studying the literature at all. And I'm just caught completely off guard by how many people are already here setting up studies and going to these things and getting their new guys that they're sponsoring back into the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. It's an exciting thing. These conferences are set up in a thousand different formats, and I'm, some of them I just want to weep. When I see the formats, I go, oh, God, not another where somebody tells a bunch of jokes and then they all go home. I mean, because that's the way a lot of conferences are. The fellowship is good. I'm not knocking any of it. But it's just like 
there's, there, there's so much to talk about. There's so many things that we need to discuss to, to, to get guys back into the trenches to do the things that we do. And when I saw the format of this thing, and I'm going, a whole weekend with the steps. This could be good. This could be excellent. And so I'm really looking forward to, to, to spending some time with you guys tomorrow and, and sitting in those workshops and seeing kind of what, what, what gels out all that. Um, Chris, the evil twin, um, I know some of you guys have met my twin brother, or some of you have heard him. He sends his love. I, 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 um, he really wanted to be here, too. He is the evil twin. When you finally meet him, he'll be here in a year or two. And when you finally meet him, you'll know immediately. When you see him, you'll go, he's evil. He is. <laughs> he is. He's, uh, he's something. Um, you know, I... Uh, it's always funny doing these things. I, I just some of you guys have heard my story, and I won't get into a whole bunch of stuff on the thing. But um, I want you to understand going in that I, I love Alcoholics Anonymous, and I love the people in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'm, I'm I fell in love with AA the moment I walked into a room, and I was sitting there with a bunch of people that understood me. Nobody's judging me. I just after all the goofy crud that I did out there, um, it felt so good to sit in a room full of where people just were just like me, and I. And there was this camaraderie, and we were kind of connected at the hip, and, and it stayed like that for a long, long time. In the area that I come from in Dallas, um, I call it the, 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 the AA armpit of the world. It's like, it's like there's so much weird stuff going on. We, 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 we think that we're so smart that we have to do all this added value AA, and, it's, and some of the stuff just gets bizarre. It just gets crazy. And we just sometimes you just you sit in a meeting and think, they say things, and you go... And you, you just kind of want to do this and look back at the door and see if there's a little circle and triangle out there. Am I really in a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous because we've gotten so convoluted with the deal? And so sometimes I relate stories and people go, I don't, I can't believe that. That's not the way it is in my group. Trust me when I tell you this, guys. If it's not that way in your group, God bless you and God bless your group. You're fortunate. And it is not the rule. It's the exception. Trust me on this. I talk 30-something weekends out of the month, out of the year. I'm traveling, and, uh, and, and that doesn't count any local talks in Texas. These are all travel talks. I see a lot of groups, and I sit in a lot of meetings, and I've seen AA that would make you weep, and I've seen AA that would make you cheer and excited to be in this room. Um, and, the, and, the, and the goal here, believe me on this, the goal here is to try to get everybody back around that direction. We'd like to have everybody in AA cheering again, happy to be here. You walk into AA some places and everybody's got these these uh, frowns on their face and they're just you just kind of wonder well <laughs> so this is recovery huh you just, these guys are just miserable and you just it just makes you want to weep that it's gotten so crazy like that um, I went to a group where they were they were there was some excitement when I first got there and then over a period of about three or four years some crazy things started happening and I sat and I said, You know the allegiance that we have for groups that we sobered up in, there's always this kind of they, you know, they could have been sacrificing cats in the back room and I'd have still stayed. I just I don't it didn't make any difference. I, I'm that's my home group, that's where I sobered up and I really want to be there. Um, but as this group got really sick and the reason, only reason I mention this is because people go, well, you know, there's a circling triangle on the door and God's there. And I'm thinking, you know what, that may have been true in the old day, but these days, sometimes these groups have gotten so weird that, that I'm, I'm thinking God would rather go fishing than, than to be sitting in some of these meetings. They're just crazy. And that's what happened in my home group. It got just nuts. And we were, some guys came in one day and voted God out of the meeting, and it was a really interesting meeting. You should have been there. 
and um, and we did. We voted not to talk about God in the meeting because we were afraid it was scaring off a newcomer. Now, you have to understand, I didn't know that the book was full of God. I hadn't, hadn't read it. I'd only been there four years. I mean, I'll get to it. <laughs> Why rush it? It's no race. So my wife is sitting back looking at the whole thing, and she's going, I don't understand it. You seemed so happy when you first got into this fellowship, and now you come home so angry. You, you know, you kick the dog. You're mad at me. You're mad at the kids. And the little girls are starting to do duck again when I walk in. I mean, it's just crazy how that stuff... Spiritually, I'm dying inside. I'm, I'm crazier than a crap house rat. I can't. I just. <laughs> you guys know the feeling. You know how it is. I mean, it's not supposed to be that way. And yet, and yet, that's the way it was getting. And I was going to endure that another two or three years. I was seven years sober and I was just as I was. I finally got suicidal. I used to hear you guys talking about suicidal stuff in the meetings. And I used to go, I don't relate. I didn't. All that time I drank, the booze worked fine. Thank you very much. I don't need. I just need to get drunker. I don't need to kill myself. Seven years from my last drink and my last outside issue, all I could think about was killing myself. I'm writing hot checks all over Denton County. I can't keep my hands off other women, which just makes our household a, bu a bundle of fun, you can imagine. I, I, I just, internally, I'm coming apart at the seams sitting in the meeting. One night, at this group, I, I shared this deal, and, I, and I'm telling these guys. I said, "Guys, this may be my last AA meeting. I can't seem to, I can't seem to make this thing work." And, I, and I'm just like, and this guy named Jim, I'd kill him tonight if I could find him. He, I would. I just no, <laughs> I'd pimp slap him for sure. I, I just, <laughs> Jim, Jim interrupts me and he says, "Myers, Myers, Myers, you, you know, I, I know what you need to do." And I just said, "Well, okay, thanks, Jim. Tell me what I need to do." And he said, "You just need to go to some more meetings." And I just, thanks, Jim. I, I, I appreciate that, brother. And I, I remember get walking out of that meeting, and I walked up, and I had this old Toyota Land Cruiser, and I slid into the seat, and it's all hot, and I just put my head down on that steering wheel, and I just wept like a baby. I just, golly, I'm going to six meetings a week as it is. How many meetings does it take to get clear of this nasty crap? How does it? How do we get where they, they talk about this cool stuff in AA and I'm not experiencing it? All I'm, I mean, you go in. When I got to AA, Veronica would be sharing her bad day at work, and I'm, oh yeah, that's interesting. And she'd be sharing this kind of stuff. Seven years later, Veronica's still sharing her bad day at work, and she can't get a job, and she, her boyfriend's still beating the crap out of her. And I'm wanting to kill Veronica because she won't shut up about this deal. And I, go, I just. He, is, I know you guys are going, oh, he is the evil one. He is. <laughs> Listen, let's clarify this. Does Veronica need a place to share about her bad boyfriend and her inability to get a job? Yes. And it's called a sponsor. Call that rascal up and share that there. But in our precious little piece of meeting time, why don't we stay focused on the God-giving, the life-saving steps that God gave us and, and, and do that kind of stuff? So, all right. So, uh, imagine, if you will, seven years sober and I'm, I almost drank, drank one night and it scared me really bad. And I call Chris. Now, Chris has moved to the hill country. He's gotten married to this little gal and he's gotten him a big book sponsor and he's doing all this stuff down there. Like, and his life is, is great. And I, and I called him and I said, told him what the dilemma was. And he said, I've been telling you for four years to get out of that group and go find a big book study group where you can learn what's in the book. He said, Mars, reality is you still don't know what's in the book, do you? You haven't even worked the steps, have you? I said, have to. <laughs> I thought I had. I read them off the wall anyway. I just, 
So we go through the deal. He, he gives me the name of this, this old guy named Cliff Bishop, and he says, I want you to go see this guy tomorrow, and, and, and it'll be okay, and we'll get you ganged up. And, and I, but it's weird. Three or four days later, Chris is in town, and he comes by, and he says, you want to go see Cliff? And I said, well, you know, Myers, I'm really busy right now, and i got all this stuff going on at work, and it just, it, it's just not a good time for me. And he's going, you know, four days ago, you called me, and you were going to commit suicide because you were so upset about your condition spiritually and now you're telling me that you're too busy to go see this guy that could help you? See, there's the depth of my arrogance on this stuff, guys. I mean, I'm just bulletproof. So I said, okay, I'll go do this. And, and so I did. I went and saw Clifford. And some of you guys have heard me tell this story. But, but, I mean, it's just the weirdest deal. I walk to the door and this guy opens it up and he's like a million years old. And he's standing there. And, and, he, and he looks at me and he looks down and then he looks back at my face and he says, where's, where's your big book? He doesn't say, hi, I'm Cliff Bishop. Nice to meet you. He says, where's your big book? And I said... I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen it for a bit. And he... <laughs> so he goes, did the lenses fall out of there again? My glasses are... It's all safe. It's all good. Then, so, so Cliff says, says, here, borrow mine and don't ever come back over here without it. And so I said, oh, this is going to be a nightmare. And I'm thinking, I can get in my truck and I can drive out. I can do something. I... <sighs> he says, come on. And so I go sit in, in his living room with a big book and a little dog. And, and I'm sitting there patting that dog and he's going through this stuff. And he starts asking me these questions. And he goes to page 52 and he starts reading the bedevilments. And he says, see if you can relate to any of this. And we read the bedevilments. And I'm going, I see, pray to misery and depression. Yep, that's me. Check. And we go on down the list. Check. Yep, yep that's me. Check. That's me. And I'm getting pumped up. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, this is, this is me, you know, like this. And he goes, you're, you're dying of untreated alcoholism. I said, Cliff, perhaps you didn't hear me. I've been sober seven years. And he says, you're dying of untreated alcoholism. I don't give a rat's ass how long you've been in this room. Oh, I don't understand it. But I sense that this old guy knows what he's talking about. And so in 45 minutes, he carries me back through the work and we hit the high parts on this thing trying to see where we are on this deal. And every once in a while I interrupt him and I'm trying to tell him all the wisdom that I've known in this deal like this. And he's, he's just, stop, 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 stop. And this old guy's trying to pull what's left of his hair out because I can't, he's trying to... It's just pitiful. And so he says, I want you to go to the meeting. And I go to the meeting and we walk in there like I'm sitting in a room full of about 35 or 40 guys and they're all studying big books and women and they're studying the book. And I'm thinking, this is great for now, but in a week or two I'm going to be so bored with this that I can't stand it. I have to be able to share. And that's what the deal was. I was just, that's because that's all I knew, guys. You know, the, 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 what we have to understand is, is that the problems that we see in AA are of our own making because we rely on an oral tradition in order to do that stuff. Now, an oral tradition is not bad when it's monitored, when you have people that are paying attention to what's being transmitted. But it's like the old parlor games like this. I'll talk to this gentleman over here and he'll whisper into Allie's ear and Allie will whisper into Bryce's. Bryce, by the time he gets it, that arrogant little SOB, he's going to change something for sure. <laughs> Bryce is going to add a little here. It's a little, little AA with a little added twist to it, you know, like this. And now by the time it gets down here, it's starting to just change and, and manifest itself and mutate until it's some god-awful nightmare of a program by the time you get over here. And that's exactly what happened. At seven years sober, I have a perfect, perfect description of what Alcoholics Anonymous is, except it's not real. 
it's, 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 it's what's been spoon-fed me in meetings by a bunch of people that loved me to death. These were not evil, mean people. These were people that adored me. And yet they gave me every chicken shit one-liner in the universe. They gave me every keep coming back, and every, everything except what I really needed, which was 12 simple steps that would put me in a place that would be sufficient enough that I could recover from this deadly disease. They weren't going to do that. Now, people come up and say, well, Myers, it makes you sound like, like you're the only right one and that whole group was wrong. I'm not going to correct that statement because that's basically what it all boiled down to. We had, we had a core membership of about 250 people in that meeting and nobody worked the work. Nobody carried big books. Nobody did anything. Sponsorship was an absolute sham. It was a joke. And the work that we did was trivial and it bore no resemblance to this. And then I would sit back and then I would go, I've worked the work, so why don't I get what they got? Why don't I get what they keep talking about? I'd look at the book <laughs> it just seems so... Oh, shit. Well, one night in the meeting, I'll tell you this thing. The, the, they're, they're doing this big book study and I'm still insisting. Now, this is almost a year after I got there and I'm still insisting that I share my wisdom. And, this, and every time I go like this, they go... Now, these are big book guys in the room. They know and understand the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and I don't. I'm still a holdout. Uh, yes, I'm feeling better. Yes, I'm feeling more comfortable in my own skin. Yes, but I'm still a holdout. I'm still putting some distance between you guys and the work that we need to be doing out there with the guys that are suffering. And and so I'm, I'm like, I, I got a great, I got a great one-liner. It's just, it's a little piece of, of treatment center stuff that I got, and I, you'll dig it. And I'm just, I'm so excited because nobody else is holding their hand up, and they're going to call on me. And Dara Vasquez. I love her to death. We was chairing the meeting that night and she looked at me and I remember her looking down and she went, Myers? <laughs> and so I shared my wisdom. And then I, 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 put, I sit down like this. I'm sitting there like this and Cliff Bishop walks up in this big room and he walks up like this and as he's walking over here like this, I'm going, yeah, he liked it too. He's coming over. <laughs> I swear to God, my head is like this and I'm thinking... Eh. He's going to pat me on the back right in front of all these people. And he flipped the note at me, and the note was not nice flip either. He flipped it across the table, and it landed on the floor at my feet. And I reached down, and I picked it up, and I opened it up. He's going to get coffee or something. He just walked right past, and, and I opened it up, and it said, Why don't you shut up until you know what's in the big book? Just like that. And I'm going, Where's the love? <laughs> Come on, man. Well, I would... That's what I did. I just said, screw you. I don't need this crap. And I just headed for the door. And when I got over by the door, there was a guy who got up. Philip walked across the room and he stopped me right at the door. And he said, don't leave, man. Don't leave. He said, buddy, I'll never forget. It was like it was yesterday that he said it. It was 13 years ago. And he said, don't leave. We need you here. And I just went, okay. And then he put his hand on my shoulder. He's a tall guy. And he put his hand on my shoulder like this. And he said, and don't tell anybody, but we all got that same note. <laughs> and, I thought, and until a couple of years ago, I had that note 
tape to the inside of my big book, and my book got stolen out of my truck when it got robbed, and I, and I, and I, and I wanted to weep. There's all kinds of stuff got stolen out of that truck that night, but, but when I found out that that book was gone, I just about crapped. I, I just died. I, man, I wanted that note back. Um, Clifford loved me enough to tell me the absolute truth. The program of Alcoholics Anonymous is not for cowards. It's for men and women who are willing to stand up and stand for a, a set of a doctrine that is true and real and, and very tangible. We have, a, we have a fellowship full of cowards today that don't want to ruffle any feathers and they don't want to say anything that might offend somebody. We're so afraid to, hurt, to, to offend you, I might hurt your feelings. So I'm going to let you take up a 45 minutes of an hour-long meeting telling me about your divorce. I, I did. You see what I'm saying? While a brand new guy sits here and detoxes in, a, in my meeting, I'm going to let you see. And we see this stuff all the time. It's time that we said, sweetheart, that's fascinating stuff that you're telling me about. Come see me after the meeting. We'll finish it right now. We need to talk. Step two, is that where we were? Go ahead and share on step two. Yeah. I smiled. I didn't offend anybody. You see? Guys, we're not trying to raise up a bunch of AA uh, thugs. I mean, is there? Let me let me clarify something real quick. Is there anything more offensive than a man with a big book that wants to slap guys up the side of the head with it in a meeting? It's offensive. Don't do it if you're doing it. Quit. This is about unity. This is about cohesiveness. But by the same token, would it be great if we were all the young lady that read at the first of the deal or that stuff on page 17 where they talk about our common solution? Wouldn't it be great if everybody in here was back in a common solution? If everybody was doing the same? Let me read something here. You get a, you get a kick out of this. Well, some of you won't. But <laughs> here is a problem. Here's a, here is a problem as I see it. Let's, let's, let's talk about this. This comes out, this is the grapevines, you know the grapevine stuff, do you all have them down here? Okay, this is the grapevine statement of purpose. The awareness that every AA member has an individual way of working the program permeates the pages of the grapevine. Yeah, no shit. And throughout history, the magazine has been a forum for the varied and often divergent opinions of AA around the world. That's the grapevine's uh, statement of purpose. Now, here's a little quote from Dr. Bob, and I quote, there is no such thing as an individual interpretation of the 12 steps. So we have our founders that tell us that there's no such thing as a personal interpretation of the steps. Yes, your experience working the steps may be different than somebody else's. We don't all have to have the same experience there. But, but how we did it was supposed to have been the same. The way we worked it, the pattern that we worked it, the timeliness, the, the consistency in, in, in working through in a timely fashion. This crap of seeing guys sitting in meetings for two or three years and not working the work is ludicrous. Where do they get that stuff? By now you've picked up this thing that I don't like the open discussion meeting. I think it's the worst thing that ever happened to Alcoholics Anonymous. I do. And I know you said you have a little women's group on meets on Saturday afternoon and you love that meeting. Super. What I'm wondering is why do they have to be so many of them? We have people dying everywhere because they don't understand the big book. And wouldn't it be cool if everybody was indoctrinated into what the big book said as a set of directions, and then we go back into that discussion meeting? Wouldn't that be the grooviest? Because then we got a bunch of guys that know and understand what recovery is all about, and they're there carrying hope to the new guy that's based in doctrine instead of based in a bunch of opinion that we picked up in meetings that may or may not be effective. You see what I'm saying? I'll, I'll, you go into some discussion meetings and you walk out absolutely elated by what was shared in there. The closeness and the feeling of camaraderie, it's good stuff. 
But guys, let me tell you something. There are places where you go where it's absolutely... In Dallas, Texas right now, I can name you two groups where they won't even let you bring big books in the meeting. You cannot bring a big book in the meeting. They'll stop you. they got guys standing out in the parking lot. Hey, what's that? <laughs> it's a big book. Well, you can't bring it in here. Watch me, jerk. And I, I mean, I did. I can name you three groups now that charge money to hear fist steps. Are you believing that? They charge actual money to hear fist steps. It's it's crazy. Let me I'm gonna tell you a story real quick. Some of you guys have heard this thing. Like if you'll get it, I got a couple of minutes. Let me. It's a quick story, but it, the the. I was asked to do a talk one night in a group in, in East Texas. Now, East Texas is a kind of a weird part of Texas. There's lots of... It's just a weird part of Texas. They, it is... Sisters and brothers and dads and stuff, they all seem to love each other and sort of a... It's just... So anyway, I'm, I'm, I get there 30 minutes early. It took, me, it took me less time to get there than what I thought. And I, it's about 80 miles from where I live. And, I, and so I pull up in front and I walk in and there's a couple of people in the room like this and nobody looks up when I walk in. So I walk over, get me a cup of coffee, and walk over and sit down. And the time is going like this and we get about 15 minutes before the meeting and now some other guys have walked in like this. Nobody said anything to me yet. I'm just sitting there. That's not the weird part. The weird part, the weird part about it is that, is that there's, there's probably 15 people in the room, but nobody's saying anything to anybody. They're just sitting there. Everybody's just kind of looking at hundred yard stare. They're just kind of looking at the deal. Everybody's just kind of frowning and nobody, and I'm thinking, the heck's going on? So this lady comes walking in and she's got a great big doll about this big under her arm and she walks in with this big doll like this and she walks up and she sits down at the head of the table right up by the, where the podium is and she sits down and she's got this doll like this and she's kind of making this doll walk on the table like this and now she's starting to talk back and forth to the doll like this and this little and I I mean the hair is standing up on the back of my neck I'm thinking this is this is freaking alien crud here this is just like these guys are weird I'm thinking this piece of stainless steel hanging out their back someplace they just Creep me out. Well, it gets weirder. <laughs> about about five minutes later, another girl walks in and she's got a big doll too. And these are big dolls like this. Dolls freak me out anyway, guys. I need to deal with it on my last four step. It was just ugly. So we're sitting at this. We're sitting at this table and there's no sound in the room and nobody's talking except these two ladies down there sitting across from each other making their dolls talk to each other. Like this. And they'll walk them around like this. And I'm thinking, jeez. I'm so creeped out I can't even, I can't even see straight. 8 o'clock rolls around. Nobody says a word. 8.05 rolls around. Nobody says a word. Ten minutes after 8, some guy finally gets up and walks up to the podium like this and he says, well, we were supposed to have a speaker tonight. I'm dressed just like this. And he said, we're supposed to have a speaker tonight. And I went, um, maybe, maybe it's me. And he, he goes, oh, okay. And he just walks down off the podium. I've been wondering what I was going to talk about. It was a freaking bloodbath. I killed those guys in there. I was just like, golly. And 
in Iceland, they call them dark tunnel meetings. And I used to wonder what that was, and I know now exactly what that was. Meetings that have gotten so toxic and so sick out there that nobody knows what's going on. They sit in meetings, and people talk about everything under the sun except recovery. In Houston, Texas, in a given year, they'll give 30,000 desire chips away. 30,000. 90 days later, they've got less than 5% of those people there. 5%. Makes you wonder where all those people are. We got, what was that, 29,000 plus people that left. Now, guys, look, I'm going to hand it to you. I know some of those cats came in and looked around the room and said, I don't want to be around this bunch of losers, and they left. I understand that. But, buddy, let me tell you something. You're never going to convince me that 29,000 people that came into these rooms, keep in mind, you know how hard it was when you walked into the rooms. These people had to make a conscious decision to walk into a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous, and they did not get what they needed in that meeting. They did not get it. What they got was a bunch of people telling them to come back. Guys, we got to stop telling people that if they come to meetings, they'll be okay. We, what we're teaching the newcomer is if he manages well, he can stay sober. That's the message that we give the newcomer. We give them love. We give them hope. We give them, we, we will be as tender with them as we can. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there needs to be a message of depth and weight connected to it, guys. There needs to be the book gave us a baseline called a common solution. And we need to collectively know and understand what that baseline is. This weekend should be about reflection. It should be about discovery. It should be about each and every one of us sitting in our own place going, hmm. Let me, the question that every one of us needs to ask is, is if Bryce came in just drunker than a skunk and he needed to sober up, do I know how to get Bryce through the work? Can I get him through the steps? In a weird, ambivalent way, I think I know how to get Bryce through the steps. But for a long time, I didn't... I know today i got a crystal piece of clarity about how to get him through the work. I know exactly how. And I want to make sure that you know exactly how. And if you don't know how, let's get it gathered up. Let's find out where the stuff is. This, this piece of arrogance that all of us carry in here to think that, well, I work the work... And I don't need to go back and do this. I'm okay. Because I've been sober for 25 years. I know exactly what I'm doing. Do you? Only you know. I'm not here to judge you one way or the other. Only you know if you're clear about how to... In the deepest, darkest part of the night, laying in the bunk, looking at the ceiling, do you really know what to do with him first? Second? Third? Do I know how to get this cat through the work? That's where we need to be. That's what the common solution that they talked about in the book was about. It was about addressing that. You see? And in groups and in areas where people are getting back into the book, you see that with such crystal clarity. It's just, it's just laughable. You walk in and you see all these guys and they, they're, they're, they're out sponsoring a bunch of guys and they're getting them all gathered up. I sponsor, I used to sponsor a bunch of indigent guys that, that could barely read. They're right in off the street. Over the last three or four years, it seemed to have shifted. And now most of the guys that I sponsor are guys that have been sober for a long period of time or dying inside. The walking wounded, you know who they are, sitting in our meetings just spiritually dead. And those are the guys that I seem to sponsor more of these days. Guys that are too proud to work back through the work again and have a spiritual experience maybe for the first time. They're trying to maintain a sobriety based on an experience they had 25 years ago. You can't do it like that, guys. You just can't. It, 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 
it doesn't, it doesn't stay fresh like that. You've got to go back in. That's the reason why you have to keep having new experiences in this deal. And most of those new experiences come by what? Working with brand new guys. Working with Bryce when he comes drooling back in the room. That's what we're trying to do, you see? So, I don't want to go there. Let me, let me read you something. You'll get, a, you'll get a kick out of this. This was written by Bill Wilson in 1966. Here's the scenario. Bill and Bob are getting every piece of correspondence from AA that there is. All the good stuff and all the bad stuff, it all flows to Bill. He's seeing the whole thing. That's what prompted him to write the traditions. That's what prompted all the changes that they were trying to make. What disturbed them most was that the groups were changing in, in the stuff that they were doing. Fewer and fewer people were getting sober. We went from a place that they talk about in the forward to the second edition where 90% plus were getting sober that came to a place in the 60s where barely 40% were getting sober. And it would get worse. By the 90s, we were back to about 10% worldwide were getting sober. Of all of the tens of thousands of people that were coming to us, only 10% were staying sober. And he, and he recognized this, and so he wrote this little deal. He could see what was going on in the meeting, and it says, An AA group as such cannot take on all the personal problems of its members, let alone those of non-alcoholics in the world around us. The AA group is not, for example, a mediator of domestic relations, nor does it furnish personal financial aid to anyone. Although a member may sometimes be helped in such matters by his friends in AA, the primary responsibility of the solutions of all his problems of living and growing rests squarely upon the individual himself. So much for you guys that want to keep dumping your crud in a meeting. Should an AA group attempt this sort of help, its effectiveness and energies would be hopelessly dissipated. Now here it is. This is why sobriety, freedom from alcohol... Through the teaching and practice of AA's 12 steps is the sole purpose of the group. If we don't stick to this cardinal principle, we shall almost certainly collapse. And if we collapse, we cannot help anyone. Our job as sober members of Alcoholics Anonymous is to carry a clear-cut message of recovery based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous that our book so masterfully lays out for us. That's our job to make sure that the new guy coming in has that information as quick as he can and he gets through the work so that he could have that spiritual experience so that God could fix what ails him. AA is not now. AA never has been. AA is not a self-help program. It is a program by where we help each other get to a loving God in a timely fashion so that God can fix what ails us. That's the way it was from the very beginning. It pains me no end to see men. I got, I sponsor five men right now. I got a, a little collection of old timers in there that have all had 15 plus years of sobriety. I got a couple of them at 17 years sober and a couple of them at 22 years sober. Collectively between those five guys, they've sponsored five men. You got a hundred years of sobriety and they've sponsored five men. Why is that? It used to just baffle me. Why does a man 20 years sober not sponsor anybody? And one day in a, in a book study, we're talking about some stuff and it becomes, it starts kind of gelling and I start forming an idea and I went, wait a minute. It's no different from the reason why you had been sober for four years and you never sponsored anybody. Why is that? Because I'm scared. There is an underlying anxiety around sponsorship that we're going to talk about Sunday morning. Uh, and we get scared. We get fretful about the deal. I don't want to kill him. Do I know what I'm doing? Do I know what... See, once we've, just, once we've determined that I'm ambivalent, that I'm unsure of my posture here, the natural, normal thing to do would be to go, how do I get out of this unsuredness? How do I get out of this anxiety that's kicking my butt? You see? 
And yet most of us won't do that. I wouldn't. I just ignore it. Well, I'm sober today. I must be a winner. Right. Then I go out and write another hot check. It's crazy. It's just crazy. The miracle of Alcoholics Anonymous, the secret handshake, if you will, is in 12-step work. It's in being able to effectively carry another man or another woman through this work, especially women. Guys, I'm telling you, the women in this world are getting an absolute butt-kicking in our fellowship. They're just getting brutalized. Too many men stepping up to the plate, taking cheap shots at them, scaring them out of the meeting. I mean, these women are hurting like big dogs. Look, I have a wife and I have three daughters. I'm hugely sensitive to the idea of 13-stepping. I promise you, you want a spanking from this skinny Texan? Just come into a meeting and disrupt it with your 13-stepping crap. I'm telling you, we have to protect these women at all costs so that they are safe and absolutely protected until they've had a spiritual experience, until they can get enough strength to say, get your hairy legs away from me now. (laughs) Right? Doesn't that sound like a daddy? Yeah. I don't care what country I've been to. I don't care what group I've spoken at. I don't care where I've been. It's always the same. I always get women that come up and go, I can't find a sponsor. Can you point me to a man or to a woman that can help me? Everywhere. You see? There's not enough women in the trenches doing the deal because for some reason or another, women think, well, okay, I'll get better and then it's time for me to go home and make up for lost time. i got to cook dinner. i got to do this. And there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff, guys, except there's a responsibility that goes along with your sobriety. You need to be there for the other women. And if you're timid and if you're shy and if you're convinced that you can't do it, come see me Sunday. We're going to go through the whole thing. I'm not going to... I'm not... It, I just, it's like, it's like night and day, guys. It's like this, this amazing, what does that clock say? You what? Okay, I just, I'll wrap this up. There is a perceptual change that happens when a man or a woman works through this work. It's tangible. It's like, it's like people say, they call me and they say, I'm sponsoring this guy and, and I can't tell whether or not he's had a spiritual experience. Trust me, he hasn't had a spiritual experience. It's tangible. You can see it. It manifests in various ways. And you see the manifestations in the way he lives his life daily. When he's still calling you every day with with relationship problems, your man has not had a spiritual experience. He is not. Go back and find out what the deal is. Find out what's going on. Let's let's see what the lowdown is. This this this. Thing of the thing that pains me the most in AA today is walking into groups and seeing people so unhappy, seeing people just hanging on, and they just they just they're so miserable about about they're just powder dry sitting in the meetings and they've got some sobriety under their belt and they think well that's this must be all there is to it. I keep saying guys, buddy, read back through the promises, read the eight step promises, the nine step promises, read any of that kind of stuff, and then just simply ask yourself the question. This isn't judging anybody. I'm just saying tonight before you go to bed, take the eight step promises down and the nine step promises down. I mean the ten step promises and the nine step promises. Just sit, take them down and read through them and ask yourself the question: Do I feel like this? If you do, check. Go do something else. Go make some tea. If you don't feel like that. Call somebody. Get some help. Call me. Get get connected again. And let's get to the bottom of why it is that you feel the way you feel. I, God didn't stand at some particular place and says, You know what? I like that guy and I hate that little SOB and well, screw him. He's going to rot in hell. And he, God didn't do that stuff. God's grace falls evenly on every one of us. And the book promised that if we did the work... Remember in, in chapter 5, it talked about half measures availed us nothing. 
It didn't say half measures availed us half success. And yet we're so timid about asking ourselves, am I a half measures kind of guy or am I the real deal guy? Have I worked the work to the best of my ability with a sponsor who had had a spiritual experience? Have I? And if you have, super. Get your butt out there and go help somebody. If you haven't, let's go. Let's get gathered up. Time's wasting, guys. You look out at that beautiful city right now and just drop your eyes down on the street and you'll see them everywhere. The streets are full of people. This town is full of drunks that will die a hopeless death because they don't know what's going on. They walk into our meetings afraid. We let them sit there. We let them sit there. We let them sit there. And then when they leave, there's some guy sitting in the back of the room with his arms crossed and some, you know... Well, he just, he just wasn't ready. That's the reason he left. It just wasn't his time. Booze will bring him back. Let me tell you something. Booze won't bring him back. Booze, booze will kill him. And in the meantime, he'll take everybody he knows with him. It's a horrible, tragic, tragic thing to see. you got a guy walking in your meeting and you don't know him. You go grab his butt and you don't let go of him until you know for sure where he is and what he is and what, where he is in this world of AA. We want to know. This is about life saving. But at the same time, it's about saving your rear end. It's about changing everything about how you perceive things. Let me tell you this fast story. It's just kind of weird. It's it's like we have tens of thousands of us out there that want to sit in meetings all comfy and warm. And, you know, we just want to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. And it's just all fun and games. and And there's nothing wrong with holding hands and singing Kumbaya. Unless you sing like I do, then it's just pretty disgusting. You just... It's a funny thing. There's a program out there called Alcoholics Anonymous. Here it is. The book represents it. And yet we have a fellowship with thousands of people that got hung up in the fellowship end of the deal and never progressed over to the program side of the deal. And that's a tragic place to be. It's comfortable for a while, but then the spiritual malady begins to rekindle itself And we began to get sick again. We began to start dying again. And all the meetings in the world and all the well-wishers of our friends is never going to be enough to make it better. The spiritual malady cannot be treated from an external set of circumstances. We Guys, we're famous for this, right? The AA Trinity, the job, the girl in the car. I always felt that if I had the job or the girl in the car, if I had them all lined up, I'd be able to stay sober. I mean, what idiot wouldn't be able to stay sober? If you had a good job and you had a good car and you had a a bitching babe, wouldn't you be able to stay sober? No way. It's like herding cats. You never get them all lined up exactly the way you want them because then she leaves or he leaves or whatever the deal is, but it's always this deck of cards ready to fall. You see? And it will fall. One day the cards get pulled out, the whole thing collapses, and you're standing there trying to maintain based on meeting makers make it, and you find out that it's not enough. The spiritual malady kicks your butt. The mental obsession tells you that the problem doesn't exist. And you're off to the races. All you can think about is, you know what? The last time I felt this lousy, a quart of beer fixed this perfectly, and I'm ready to go do it again. And you do, because the beer does a great job of treating your alcoholism. So imagine the situation here. We got, where we're faced today is we got this fellowship out there, and we got all these people dancing around this big fire. And somewhere in here, one of these cats decided, you know what, I wonder what it would be like to jump through that fire and actually do this work. So he takes off running and everybody's going, no, 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 you don't have to do it. You don't. 
Dan, you don't have to do that. But he jumps anyway. And he jumps through the fire and he lands on the other side and he's standing there on the other side like this. And he looks like this little burnout match. He's just, his hair's smoking and his clothes are smoking and he's just standing there like this. And he looks around, but all of a sudden he's got this smile on his face and he's flat on fire. He knows exactly. All of a sudden, with, with unreal clarity, he's got this notion in his head. I know exactly why I sobered up. I know exactly what my job is to help another alcoholic. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do in my family life. I know. And then he starts going, hey, hey, you, you over there, come, come on, come on. Come on, it's cool. You'll love it. And we're standing there like this. And everybody's holding our hand on this side going, no, 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 don't, no, no. He's, a, he's one of those whacked out Nazi guys. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> and pretty soon, some little arrogant pissant standing over here goes, I'll do it. And he lets go like this and he runs through the fire and he gets through this thing like this and he runs, he gets on the other side and he's changed. The miracle of recovery has happened to this guy. And he sits there and those two cats look at each other and they smile and they just bust out laughing. He's still smoking and all his hair's all messed up like this. But he's changed. He's different here. He's not trying to manhandle his sobriety anymore. He knows that what he has is good and real. And pretty soon both of them together are going, Hey, over here. This, this is the fun stuff. Come over here. And sure enough, another guy lets on over here, another guy lets go over here, another guy lets over here, and there's tens of thousands of the middle of the rotors back over here going, no, 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 don't do it, don't do it. You'll be back. You'll, you'll fall flat on your face. And these guys jump through one by one, and they taste what recovery is about. And I'm telling you right now, guys, there is such a dramatic difference between recovery and just feeling better in AA. For a lot of years, just being sober was enough. Just being clear of the booze and stuff was enough. And then these guys told me, or didn't tell me, but I didn't have to because I could see it in their faces. I could sit in a meeting and go, God dang. I don't know what got shoved up that kid's rear, but I want whatever it is. I want that. And you know, once you do that, then you know what the deal is. It's like the secret handshake. The secret handshake was the work that we did. And yet we have so many people that are too timid to do this stuff. There's so many people that just want the comfort of their little place right there. Because there's some responsibility that comes with this thing, guys. Once you've recovered, you have a responsibility to go carry that message. And you're going to have to do that. And that's what we're going to talk about on Sunday at length. And you'll get a kick out of it. Scout's honor. Nothing to scare you. Nothing to... I'll just teach you the secret handshake. You know? And it's the coolest... Some of you already know it. and You're already teaching people to do this stuff. Guys, for you guys that have driven great distances, I'm so glad that you're here. Uh, for you guys, the you older guys that have stayed in AA, stayed in the trenches, stayed to keep the doors open, thank you. Thank you. Uh, you are, you're my all-time hero for the work that you've done to keep this thing going down the track the way it's supposed to go. For you young guys in here, it is a race. I don't care. I don't give a rat's patootie what anybody says. It is a race. Your very life depends on it. The very life of your, of your family, your kids, everybody you know depends on your ability to get into this work in a timely fashion, work the work, and get on through this stuff. If I've offended anybody, sorry. If I just made you nervous, 
I'm not sorry. I, 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 I would rather, I'd rather get you nervous about your deal than anything on God's green earth because from a point of discomfort, action can be taken. Remember when you sobered up? You didn't sober up because somebody said, I think you drink too much and you need to go to AA. As a general rule, that's not the case. As a general rule, what happens is we become so uncomfortable in our own skin, life becomes so painful that we said, okay, 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 I'll do what they want to do. I'll go do that. And I think it's good, especially after some of us old guys have been downrange a little bit and life has gotten a little stale and AA has gotten a little flat. We're sitting in the meetings judging everybody that's sitting in the room. If that's you, welcome. If that's you, you're a carbon copy of me at seven years sober. But for the last 13 years, guys, I have been absolutely on fire with the idea of what the simple steps could do in the lives of men and women who would simply submit to the program, submit to that process. And it is amazing that thing slid out. Oh, that little CD thing slid out and scared me to death. I thought God was moving at my knee. <laughs> I tell you one more thing, and then we'll close out of here. It, um, tonight, when I go tonight, when I go home, or whenever I get back in Texas, I, some of you have met my wife. Some of you guys have, have we, we've talked about her, and, and I, I just there's not a woman in this world that I adore more than this woman. I just simply. Um, She's an amazing woman. And, uh, um, and I remember a time at seven years sober when I'd been doing this, this, this AA-like kind of thing. And, and I, I remember sitting out in this garden picking bugs off these tomato plants. And I'm just sitting out there thinking, you know, and I'm, I'm, it's getting dark. And I'm thinking, golly, in a couple of minutes I've got to walk into this house and I've got to see this beast of a woman I'm married to. And, I, and I, these kids that just drive me to, just, to distraction. And I just, I, in the morning I've got to get up and I've got to go to a job that I can't stand. And it's my business. I can't do anything about it. I, got, <laughs> I just, I just, you know the feeling? You know what I'm talking about? The deal where, where everybody hacks you off. No, you just, I, I just hate, I hate you. I hate the meetings. I hate everything. I'm so uncomfortable. I'm so judgmental about everything. I, I just, and then I get hooked up with this crusty old guy named Cliff. And he takes me and makes me do the work. Ten days later, I'd worked back through the work, had a spiritual experience sufficient enough to bring back recovery from alcoholism. And everything about my life shifted sideways. Everything was different. I'll go home to Texas and I'll walk in that house and I'll be, for the 14 hour trip, I'll be thinking of nothing except being in the, woman, in the room with that woman that I absolutely adore. I can't wait to be around those kids that are the prettiest, brightest kids on God's green earth. And I get to get up at 4.30 in the morning and go to a job that I absolutely love. I can't wait to be in that bindery. I can't wait to be there. Did my job change? Did that beast of a woman change? Did my kids change? Did any of that thing change? None of it changed. What changed was my guts on the inside based on an experience that I had because I was willing to take my arrogance and my ego and set it aside long enough to say, I need some help. I need somebody to help me see the truth about my own recovery. And it's my prayer tonight. It's my prayer that this weekend you'll have the guts to look at yourself in the mirror and go, I'm there, I'm okay, or I'm there and I'm dying, and then come get some help. 
believe me, there is no reason for you to leave this conference without getting connected with some guys. There's a whole bunch of them down here I can suggest already that have already been doing this stuff. The big book study last night that I went to is full of men and women who are flat-ass on fire with this work. I'm so blessed to be here, and I love every one of you. Thanks. Information about the annual Melbourne AA Steps Weekend is available from www.stepsweekend.aagroup.org.au Thanks for letting me share.